Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend... MetLife Stadium for you guys. Here's your host, Joe Caparosa. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Today, we're going to keep rolling with our same format as last week. We're going to answer your appropriately angry Twitter questions that you sent over. Then I'm going to be joined by one of our writers, Steven Zantz, to update a little Gase Freedom Watch and get some good, healthy fan venting out before we close the show. As a reminder, this podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Make sure to subscribe, make sure to rate, make sure to review our premium no-ad subscription podcast, Badlands, is also available every Wednesday at turnonthejets.podbean.com. Make sure you subscribe there, hosted by myself and Connor Rogers. And as always, you could find all of our writing at turnonthejets.com, and I could be followed on Twitter at jcaparoso. let jump in to your guys' questions after yet another embarrassing blowout loss for our New York Jets, who are currently the worst team in the NFL. I could say that with confidence. There's no debate through two weeks who the worst team in the NFL is. It's the Jets. Uh, We'll see if that changes after week three. But for now, it's the 0-2 Jets, who are 0-2 for the second season in a row under the brilliant offensive mind of Adam Gase, who is now 20-30 and in his past 50 games and is heading on the road with a 5-20 and record in his past 25 away games. On to the questions from Delayed Takeoff. Is Darnold skittish, or is there really no design built to address added pressure in this offense? Both. There is no design to address added pressure. There is no design for anything except running 11 personnel with no motion or shifting. It is a overly simplistic high school level offense that makes no adjustments that is making life incredibly difficult on Sam Darnold. That being said, he's not playing particularly well either. Situation, not good for him. Still not playing that well. We're setting the bar too low if we're saying he played really well against San Francisco. He he was okay. He was better than he was against Buffalo. But I mean, let's take out the garbage time stats and look at the yards per attempt and the low fives. Uh, It's got to be better. Still, uh, and it's not fair to Sam, but if we see 14 more games that are comparable to these first two games, 
he won't be the quarterback next year. Now, if he goes out and finds a way to play some games like he did against Dallas and Washington and Oakland last year, and the Jets win five or six games, he will be the quarterback next year. Not really that complicated of a you know overall situation when you kind of break it down that way. Darnold finds a way to be the best of himself that we've seen so far in his career. The Jets win five or six games. They pick 10th or 11th, something like that. He's probably back, even with a new coach next year. We continue on the current trajectory. Jets are picking in the top three. They're taking a quarterback, and, and that's going to be it. So crazy that we're talking about it after two games, but the Jets have three touchdowns in two games, and they off came in garbage time. So here we are. Next question from Jeff Cerulli. Why do I still root for this god-awful franchise? I always get some variation on this question throughout the week, a lot of different times. And, you know, it's uh, it's just football. You come here, you get some entertaining takes. You get to uh, vent with fellow fans. It was only 10 years ago now. They were in the AFC Championship game two years in a row. Some point in the future, it will come back around. It's not going to be this year. might not be next year. But there will be a point. And I've been waiting for this point since 2016 where neither Mike McCadden and Adam Gase are in this organization and they'll have a better chance of succeeding. In a perfect world, they'd also have different ownership. I don't think that's happening anytime soon, but we just got to ride it out, you know, and enjoy the other games. Flip on Red Zone, gamble a little bit, get your fantasy going, uh, enjoy Mackay Becton pancaking everybody, have a sense of humor about the team's struggles and uh, we'll, uh, next season will have to be better than this season so far to date at this rate. Uh, next question from Tommy B Trey Lance or Sam Darnold too early, too early. I know it's, if it's Trevor Lawrence or Sam Darnold from my perspective, especially after talking to Connor on the other pod, I'm going Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance. I don't know if I'm fully sold yet. I'm taking him depending on where they're picking. We'll see. We got a lot of months to sort this out. People next question from Rich Vergara. Who is the random Jet that has a good game play towards the end of the season and mess up their draft position? This is such a good question, man. Eli McGuire, uh, guy who deserves some credit for doing this in the past. Uh, there's other ones uh, in Jets' recent history uh, who have done this. You can see like one of these random receivers like Josh Malone or maybe Vincent Smith when he comes back or Braxton Berrios having like an aran- a random 127-yard game against the Browns, and they find a way to beat them to go 4-12 and instead of 3-13 and and impact their draft position. I'm going to go with something like that uh, with Cleveland, the game that I'm circling for it to happen in. It's not happening against the Rams. It's not happening against the Pats. Um, so maybe it will happen against Cleveland. Next question from Insert Clever Name. I mean, why is a good place to go start? While this has happened, I uh, they hired Adam Gase. They made a terrible head coaching hire that I and many others told you was terrible before they did it, terrible after they did it, and now you're seeing what it looks like in practice. It's even worse than I expected, but really bad head coach with a roster that had a really bad GM for, what, four was it, four years? It's not a good combination. Uh, and you have an 0-2 team who's 7-11 and in their past 18 games uh, with really no memorable wins in that entire stretch. Uh, next question from AJ Trenanzo. When is it realistic we'll be competitive again? I feel like I say this every year, but things do or can turn around kind of quick in the NFL. There is a roadmap to the Jets being competitive next year. There's a lot of things that need to happen, starting with them getting an entirely new coaching staff. Uh, knocking their draft class out of the park and making some shrewd moves in free agency. 
they'll have an easier schedule theoretically if they're playing a last place schedule. Um, it could happen a lot quicker than I think some people think it think it could. Um, but to build a sustainable winner, it's going to be a multi-year process. I know that's frustrating to hear when they miss the playoffs for 10 years in a row, but that's just the reality of the situation. Um, next question from Timble84. Assuming Adam Gase is gone after this season, will the Jets finally change their awful reporting structure so the coach reports to the GM who reports to the owner? Uh, probably not. This has always been the setup under the Johnson ownership. I don't know why they would change it. I do hope that they allow Joe Douglas to be the sole guy along with the rest of his front office who picked the next coach. I don't want Chris or Woody anywhere near that process. I, I'd like them as far from that process as possible, uh, but I wouldn't bet on the reporting structure changing anytime soon. Crazier things have happened, but there's nothing to indicate that they would do that. Next question from Jimmy R. Will Becton go to the Pro Bowl? Hey, we, let's be excited about Makai Becton. Let's talk about something positive because he is just kicking people's ass up and down the field through two weeks, and he's been the Jets' best player, and that's good. You know, I said before the year I hoped he could be a 2.0 version of DeBrickishaw, and through two weeks he might be able to do that. And before you, you know, say DeBrickishaw, DeBrickishaw is a 10-year starter, Pro Bowler here, and Becton could be a better version of him, and Man, he's looked good through two weeks, and that, that's really been the one glowing positive uh, at this 0-2 record so far. Uh, next question from Luke. Is the sky really falling, or is our complete lack of healthy wide receivers crippling any chance of us even calling a decent offensive game at this point? It's got nothing to do with the injuries. There's no plan or structure here. There, there would have been more creative ways to use Bell in the first half against Buffalo when he was healthy, creative ways to use Chris Herndon as being used as a blocker more than any tight end in the NFL, um, it doesn't matter who's out there. Adam Gase is running the exact same offense no matter what every single week, and that's the problem. And Buffalo and San Francisco, particularly San Francisco, had a ton of injuries too. There's going to be a lot of injuries in the NFL this year, and those aren't the two best teams the Jets are going to play. So uh, how they deal with teams like Seattle and the Rams and the Pats and the Bills again, Chiefs, uh, we'll, we'll see. Next question from Mamoon. Did the Jets still consider going quarterback if we draft outside of the top five? It could be on the table. You never know how the board breaks. You never know who their next head coach is going to be. They also have a ton of draft ammunition to move up if they want. Don't forget, you know, you know the Cardinals didn't have to ultimately move up, but they, you know, cut their ties with Rosen and got Kyler. Depends who the coach is and depends what the coach thinks of Donald. Um, I don't think Douglas is particularly tied to him, so if he hires a coach who – falls in love with a different quarterback, anything has happened, you know, possible within the top 10. Not as likely, but it's possible. Um, what's the over-under for how many games Gates coaches this season from Levy on Bell Sprout? I think he's going to coach the whole year because I think Chris Johnson doesn't feel like paying Adam Gates to coach, not coach for the team. And the second he fires him, everyone goes from talking about Gates to talking about ownership in the front office, and I don't think they want that. So look, Maybe the circus becomes too much and there are really are protests at Florham Park and people are just going crazy and they lose on national TV to Denver badly despite them having a backup quarterback and they go into the bye week at one and nine. It could happen, but I would still bet on him coaching the whole season and then making a change after it as of now. Let's see. We'll do two more questions and then we will jump into an interview with Steven how many coaches is Cager punched for him not to get a call up and be an extra body for Sam from CW? 
I don't know why Cager's not up. I'd rather see him than Malone or you know some of these other guys that are running out there. I'd have to imagine it's only a matter of time with the current situation before we see him. You know, I think in looking at the injury situation for this week, we know we don't have Mims and Bell already. Cashman's still going to be out. Uh, it doesn't sound likely that McGovern or Perryman are going to play. Mollett's on the IR as well. Uh, so it's going to be another week with uh, a very banged-up team going against a Colts defense who's currently number one in total defense in the NFL. All right, one more question. Let's see what else is floating around here. From Daniel, should Brant Boyer get consideration for head coach if the Jets move on from Gase? In terms of, like, the interim head coach, sure. Uh, in terms of the long-term head coach, I don't know. Maybe he gets an interview. I don't know if that's the most inspiring hire. Uh, I'd like to see them go get a guy like potentially Eric Bieniemy. Robert Salio could be interesting for the Niners who just whooped them. I also think Joe Douglas, and we talked about this a little bit on Badlands, is going to look to that Ravens organization uh, where he spent some time. Maybe the Eagles organization, but I'd keep an eye on that Ravens coaching staff as a potential place where the Jets' next head coach comes from, more so than anybody else. And we are now joined by one of our newest writers at Turn on the Jets, Steven Zantz. We're going to talk a little Gase Freedom Watch and get a little more venting out before we close this episode. Steven, thanks for joining Turn on the Jets first off, and thanks for joining us tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing as good as I can be right now, Joe, and I, I appreciate you letting me come on. I definitely have a lot of venting to do based on the first two weeks of the season. <laughs> so. Let's just, before we dive into Gase Freedom Watch here, this is your first season uh, writing for us at TOJ, tweeting with us. I mean, what are just your high-level thoughts and reactions to these first two games based on the expectations you had coming into this season? Absolutely pitiful. It was, it's been an abomination. I've been so angry, and I really just have lost for words. My expectations weren't super high. I picked on the TOJ roundtable that this team would finish 6-10. and 10. I mean, that was definitely contingent on the fact that we didn't have a lot of, you know, skill position players as well as the head coach who is just atrocious, and I would have fired him already, but that's not, the decision. It's not up to me to make that decision. But, yeah, overall, it's just really been painful. And, you know, just that fourth-and-one call when he didn't quarterback sneak it and then had the audacity to tell the media that Sam does not have the autonomy to change that play is just, baffling so we've been joking around about this gaze freedom watch stuff really since last year when I, ryan Tannehill's the guy who really kick-started in my mind a guy who was consistently mediocre we used to always crack jokes about him when he was with miami goes to tennessee away from gaze nfl comeback player of the year off to another good start this year he had four touchdowns in week two he's not the only one though uh we know there's a few more out there players who are just better when they're not around Adam Gase, uh, including some new additions here in year two compared to year one. Who, who's one of the guys who's jumped off the page to you particularly so far this season? Well, there's somebody that uh, the listeners of this podcast are definitely pretty familiar with. Uh, you know, he knows, goes by the name of Robbie Anderson, and he's had back-to-back weeks of over 100 yards. He had nine catches in week two. He had six catches in week one with a long touchdown. We have Devontae Parker, who Jeff fans made fun of as a bust for three years, and he had five catches, 53 yards, and a touchdown. We have Gusecki, who did absolutely nothing as a rookie in 2018, only had eight catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown. 
And even Kenyon Drake, who I was actually pretty high on in fantasy in 2018. And for some strange reason, and I kept reading this on Roto World, is that Frank Gore was the favorite to get carries over Kenyon Drake. He gets shipped off last year, and he's been killed in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. It's pretty comical, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, just seeing this kind of, you know, fleshed out through so many different players. And the one that's kind of sticking with me this week is – Gusecki on Miami just because watching Chris Herndon struggle these first two weeks and being used as a blocker and not being as integrated in the passing game and then looking kind of off when he is involved in the passing game. Um, you know, Gusecki was a guy who struggled with Gase in his first year and now late last year, early this year, coming on as a playmaker. And I just worry about Herndon producing while Gase is here. And you know, you have Gusecki and Devontae Parker and Kenyon Drake and Tannehill, Robbie Anderson with the back-to-back 100-yard games while we're watching Rashad Perryman, you know, struggle to stay healthy or make an impact. And it's a bit mind-numbing uh, week to week because we know the game plan's bad. We know his media and people management is bad. But the player development uh, is, is just a killer. I mean, we're seeing it most pronounced with Sam, but with some of these other young guys outside of Mekhi Becton, it's hard to really see any of them – reaching their potential with, you know, Gase uh, leading the way here. I mean, when you look at, you know, this group of players and uh, what, where are you right now in what Sam's future is going to be here with this franchise through two games? I'm terrified right now. I, you know, would really want him to succeed. I really root for Sam. He's a great kid. I've met him twice, super nice. And I think he's got a great head on his shoulders, but if this continues to spiral out of control, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is definitely going to be on the table for this team, which obviously Jeff fans will be pretty excited about. But I just, I just don't think that getting moving on from Sam so quickly is the right decision. I mean, I totally could see him going to a place like Pittsburgh, and I know uh, Connor Rogers was tweeting about this today, and he would thrive there. It would be perfect for him. Good receivers, great coaching, good offensive line, solid run game, and he could end up being better than Tannehill by going away from the Jets and Adam Gase. That just, it worries me. And who knows, maybe this crazy owner will keep Adam Gase and be like, Oh, Trevor Lawrence was the guy he wanted all along. And that's why we got rid of Sam. I mean, that's kind of the crazy thing right now. Nothing is predictable of this ownership group, particularly as it's currently structured. You would think that, you know, Adam Gase would be a prime candidate for a midseason fire. I don't think they want to do that. I don't think they want to pay him not to coach games. I don't think they want people talking more about the ownership in the front office than Adam Gase. So I think they're going to let him ride it out through this season, no matter how bad it gets. And then hopefully fire him after the season. It seems inconceivable that they won't, but crazier things have happened. And and with Sam, it's going to depend on these next 14 games go up. The Jets are picking in the top three. I don't see how they're not picking a quarterback. Now if they end up picking nine to 10 and Darnold comes on and plays better. Hopefully he does get a chance with a different coaching staff, but right now, I mean, where, if you had, you picked, you picked the jets to go six and 10 before the season. So did I, where would you pick their final record now after these two games? <sighs> it's hard to see where the wins are coming from, but, but the first one I could maybe see is next Thursday when they play the Broncos against Jeff, Jeff Driscoll and maybe Blake Bortles, depending on what happens. Uh, but I got to say probably between 2-14 and 3-13, and, and 13, unless Sam really puts the team on his back and some of the other skill position players come back healthy. But it's really hard to have confidence in a coach who admitted to the media the other day that 
He didn't have a play for fourth and seven. I bet Sean McVay has a play for fourth and 20 if that situation ever happens. It's just really an indictment on the coach that he admitted that to the media. I know. It's, it's one thing to see it actually play out in the game and then to have those kind of responses after it are uh, just a little salt in the wound. So, look, we're two weeks in here. We will certainly check in throughout the season on more Gays Freedom Watch and more general venting and ranting because there will be harder parts of the schedule in these first two games, unfortunately. Steven Zantz, turnonthejets.com. You could follow him on Twitter, at SZantz. We will tag it in the tweet when it goes out. Thank you for joining us, buddy. We'll talk again later in the season. Yeah, thanks for having me on, and I'll definitely tweet the audience some Gays Freedom Watch content for the rest of the season.